Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The G-squared train just keeps rolling on. Gus and Gonzaga, can they ever be stopped? Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things college basketball with you. If you listen to the show, you are clearly aware that my illustrious partner, Gus Kearns, has declared that this will indeed be the year that Gonzaga gets over the hump and makes their first Final Four ever appearance in school history. And my friends, things look very, very good after a huge 23-point thrashing of St. Mary's. Gus, how you doing, my friend? Ah, I am just reveling in in the Gonzaga win. I'm sorry it was over your fellow Final Four pick from preseason, St. Mary's. Um, But man, was that a game and it lived up to the hype. Uh, Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, listeners out there. We are honored to speak NCAA Hoops with you. We are fabricating this college basketball NCAA Hoops podcast on Martin Luther King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody, and we hope that everybody keeps it fair and equal out there. We're honored to chat. We hope that we aid in your commute. We hope we aid in your uh, NFL playoff uh, hangover, um, since this past weekend was one of the best uh, NFL playoff weekend uh, viewing opportunities. And uh, we just wanted to say ahoy out there to our ever-increasing audience. We wanted to say ahoy at Boeing 511. Fly high, my man. We wanted to say ahoy to at Stack Page LP. Ahoy overseas. And we wanted to say ahoy, I hope I get this right, to Gonzalo Bedia. We just want to say travel safe and keep doing your thing with your hoops. Uh, Hello, everybody out there, and thank you so much for listening in to the Screen, the Screener podcast. Yeah, Gonzalo Bedia really enjoying the fact because he told me St. Mary's was overrated, uh, and right now he's gloating via Twitter. Great call. Great call, Gonzalo. Gonzalo, we'll be back, my friend, when we get into February. But, folks, we will start tonight, of course, with Gonzaga St. Mary's. Gus and I talked about it for a month, and in the end, congratulations. The Bulldogs proved why they may very well make your prediction come true that they're going to be in the Final Four. So, Gus, to the victors, go the spoils. I will let you begin the floor for our biggest game, which I had a little tweet out about us jumping around in suits there, which wasn't too far off. Uh, No, it sure was not. (laughs) Uh, The floor is yours, my friend. You get to open. Go ahead. Hey, thanks. Uh, Honored to open up with what a great game. Uh, Love the announced team. They did a fantastic job. ESPN, tremendous. I think we just wanted to see who was going to be the best player on the floor during this game. And I kind of couldn't make up my mind. Maybe it was Nigel Williams-Goss. I'm not sure. Maybe it was Jonathan Williams. He had 14 points and five blocks. And he was switching on to point guard Emmett R when needed on a defensive switch. That block was out of control. Unfortunately, we, we bring this up every so often when we, when we preview these games. Foul trouble. Foul trouble was an issue in this game. This played a huge role. Uh, Jacques Landel was saddled with it all game. And that gave Gonzaga less traffic up the middle. And can we, can we just do this right now, Mike Randall? Can we place Landell in a category with Emil Jefferson of Duke? Uh, Joel Berry of UNC, or maybe even Watson of Creighton, that maybe he is that valuable and that important to St. Mary's success. Because minus him on the floor, they were like unrecognizable on the defensive end and and the offensive end. He's an ultra-talented big man and needs to be included in the conversation with Markin and, and, and Shemek uh, and, and Boucher as far as like the very talented West Coast bigs. Man, Gonzaga shot it 
out of this world. They shot like 65%. And St. Mary's is, is, is a vaunted defensive team. Uh, are, are they Louisville? No. Are they UVA? No. Are they really solid and hold teams to under 70 points? Yes. Man, I can't believe they shot it that well. Moving forward, I'm going to be intrigued to see if Gonzaga has like any big game hangover against Santa Clara. But I got to tell you, the first half of this was ultra exciting. The kennel was pumped. I was so glad that I flipped over from the NFL playoffs and watched this game in its entirety. Um, great job at, at ESPN and the announce team. Mike Randall, what did you take from this game? Well, first off, hats off to you and to Gonzaga. Uh, that was a great job. That was a thrashing um, up and down the floor. Gonzaga does what they do. They're a great scoring team. They play hard. They play very well together. They had some. They did, uh, you know, a concerted effort on defense as well. Uh, diverse, balanced scoring. They were seven to thirteen from three point range. Williams Goss had nine points to start. He finished with nineteen. Zach Collins, great call by you. You said one of those bigs is going to have double digits. You were right on. He had ten points off the bench. Played very, very well. But Gus, I do have a few things to say. Yeah. First off, I am absolutely tired of seeing key players in games that I get emotionally invested in get in foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, Maurice Watson Jr. gets the two quick fouls against Villanova. They hung in there, but it changed the game. Creighton goes from up 10 to down 4. That's a game changer. And in this game, I have to tell you, I do not think this was a great game in terms of my viewing. And it wasn't because St. Mary's lost big. If Nigel Williams-Goss had two fouls in the first couple minutes, I would have said the same thing. I was into the whole North Carolina-Kentucky game. But remember, we were coming into that. was a little guarded because I didn't think Joel Berry was going to be 100%. It kind of takes something off the game for me. In this game, when Jock Landell gets two fouls, and I said this on the podcast last time, he's got to stay out of foul trouble, the game is over. He got two fouls. The second one was at the 1446 mark. The first one was at 1446. second one was at 1424. That's Mm -hmm. two fouls in 22 seconds. The game's done. It's over. You can't lose your leading score, 17.5 points and 9.5 rebounds per game and win. Can not do it. For me, Gus, the game ended right there, period. Well, I mean, this falls into the perfect screen-the-screener equation every single time. If player X does not play great against team Y, then team Z has no chance to win. He didn't even get the opportunity to play well. Because he was saddled with this foul trouble, so that 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 part of the equation, uh, we might need to like throw a derivative in there or something to account for that. It was just a little bit of a shame. You wanted to see him go uh, against Shemek and, and Collins and the other bigs, uh, but the opportunity just wasn't there for St. Mary's and the Gales. Um, of course, we're going to look forward to the rematch when um, uh, the home courts are changed and it's back at St. Mary's. But for right now, Gonzaga's riding high. Um, they have taken control of the conference and. Uh, they're ranked in the top five overall. Cheers to Gonzaga and the Bulldogs and Coach it, Few. It was so frustrating. I mean, just to recap, Landell sits. St. Mary's was down nine at the half, which to me is impossible to recover from in the kennel. They had sold this game out. The guys got in there mm-hmm. two, two hours early. The whole thing, impossible. In fact, I heard something in the announcing crew that last year they played a different St. Mary's, or something, Mount St. Mary's, and mm-hmm. Gonzaga fans came out early and like flooded because they thought it was the real St. Mary's. Uh, so they're a very passionate <laughs> fan base. But really quick, 48-44, Gonzaga's up with 14.52 left when Landell made his last shot in the second half. So they're down yep. four. They cut it to four. What happens? Landell fouls again at 52-47 with 11.41 left. 11.41 left. That's foul three. At 54-47, he gets his fourth foul. At 10.46 left, ball game. It's over. How many times has Landell fouled out this year? Zero, Gus. And it brings up a bigger point that I just want to make, make a comment on. 
Matt Painter called for it in the beginning of the year when Purdue lost at home to Villanova with Isaac Haas, and Dick Vitale said it recently. If they're going to do this more freedom of movement and more scoring, I have no problem with it. Make it six fouls. We live for these games. We make we wait months for these matchups. I want to see these teams battle in and out and see who wins. In a game where there's only five players on the court, when you're a small team, you you lose one guy, like a Watson or a Landau, that changes the game. The only negative I saw is Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. He wrote an article in mid-November saying it shouldn't be done because then teams are going to foul more. That's baloney. You're still shooting one-on-one at seven fouls. In a 40-minute game, it's a huge advantage. I just don't want to see the stars go out because now, the next time we have a big game, we may have one 10 on Broadway, I'm going to say, well, wait a minute. Is the star going to get in foul? I just don't want to worry about it. Like, right. I don't mind Landell sitting. He sat for 14 and a half minutes. The game mm-hmm. is over. They're, they're not winning that game. He came back and he was doing stuff. Listen, I think Gonzaga wins it either way. I don't think Nate Maris is winning this game. But it just took a lot of air out of my balloon. Really frustrating. I, I don't think the problem is going to go away. It's not a terrible idea by Painter or DeCourcy. Again, remember when the Big East tried this you know, a number of years ago when they went like Big East exclusive six fouls so they could go back and revisit that knowledge and that data and see if it's worthwhile. It's not a crazy idea. If if they do change that, who wins? Us, the fan, because we get to see the players that we want to see. Bingo. We get to see a, a, a truthful matchup. And that's it. And listen, let, let, but let's stay, let's give Gonzaga credit. I don't want to say negative here. Let's give Gonzaga credit. It's a great win. And now, Gus, here's the question: When are they going to lose? Here's the games they have coming up: the 19th at Santa Clara. You talked about that one. My opinion: They're not losing that game, but it's a road game. Let's see what happens. Right. Portland at home the 21st. Next away at Portland on the 23rd. Okay, do with that as you want. San Diego at home on the 26th. Next at Pepperdine. All right, the mm. 28th. At BYU, frisky, okay, tricky. frisky, tricky. Yes, I could. That's a fair one. Uh, Santa Clara home at Loyola Marymount, and then of course, if they don't lose, right back <laughs> February 11th, just in is. time. Maybe I'll change my Valentine from Mick Cronin <laughs> to, to St. Mary's to Jock Landell. 10 o'clock ESPN two. That could be it. But Gonzaga's on a roll. They deserve it. Few does a great job. Kudos to them. So I feel like. They're not getting enough pub if this is possible as for being the last undefeated team. They're only four, which is absurd. We can get that later. It's just it's ridiculous, but they're only number four now. Yeah, yeah, we can we can get to that a little bit later. Anyway, uh, again, Mike and I were so fired up for this game. It gave us everything we wanted. It gave us some drama, gave us some talking points, uh, gave us things to get fired up about, um, to be disappointed about, and also to admire. So uh, cheers to the WCC. All right, now that we are finished with our St. Mary's Gonzaga diatribe. How about we get to the rest of the games and take a look at some news and notes. News and notes from the hardwood. Number nine, Florida State falls and breaks its winning streak to number 11, UNC at Chapel Hill. I'm going to start with old news here. Old news and news and notes. Joel Berry II comes up with another huge game in a high-profile game. 26 points on three for six shooting from deep. Uh, Justin Jackson, Isaiah Hicks, both are 22 apiece. Um, and welcome back. Let's let's just say a welcome back, roll out the mat a little bit, to our guy, Theo Pinson. He made it back, healthy, in the rotation, and came up with a huge performance in a big game. The UNSA wing, UNSA wing had uh, 12 points, 10 boards, and played some down low, played a little four. They even put him at the five. Uh, for a little bit when they were playing small. Uh, his return coupled with the absence of uh, Frosch, 
big uh, Tony Bradley, he's injured, uh, allowed the Tar Heels to go a little bit smaller than they're accustomed to. Um, it was a real interesting tweak from UNC. Uh, Jonathan Isaacs, uh, the stellar frosh from uh, uh, Florida State, led the Seminoles with uh, 17 and 12. And you know what? For Florida State, the ride had to end somewhere. Who was riding it? You know, they, they had a 12-game winning streak coming in. And Chapel Hill is a common resting place for such streaks. So no shame in the streak coming to an end here. Um, this game was really tight all the way through and up until about like three and a half minutes to play. UNC had to uh, dig out of a little bit of a hole early. Um, they were down like seven zip and then down almost ten. Um, so they had to uh, uh, they had to reverse some rolls and, and really even the even things out so uh, Roy Williams could have a shot at his eight hundredth win, uh, which he was in line for later on this week. Um, and I'm gonna say, you know what? Really solid resolve from Coach Williams and UNC here in a ranked versus ranked game uh, that got a lot of hype. Uh, I'm gonna applaud Joel Berry and UNC here. Yeah, you get you nailed it across the board. Joel Barry, twenty six points, three six from behind the arc. Hicks and Justin Jackson, twenty two each. And the big takeaway, you nailed it. Theo Pinson back makes this team a different level. They're a top ten team without him. They're a championship level team, even more so with him. You said it double double. Uh, he returned from the broken foot, and he's still only coming off the bench. By the way, he's not even starting yet. Uh, interesting note here, Gus. Tar Heels out-rebounded Florida State 56-34, and sophomore forward Luke May stepped into that Tony Bradley role. He had 15 rebounds off the bench. Uh, to me, no shame for the Seminoles. They competed well. They kept this game close in Chapel Hill until about three minutes left. That's when a 4-5 point lead pretty much opened up. With Pinson on the floor, Gus, North Carolina could be the best team in the country. It's not crazy. I'm telling you right now. You know, we, uh, I selected them for the Final Four preseason. I don't see why they wouldn't be in that role. And you know, we've mentioned uh, Luke May a couple times on the on the broadcast before. He gets his money's worth when he gets some playing time. So kudos to him for pulling down those 15 boards. Really impressive. Hey, did you see Canyon Berry yep. play? Yep. Did you Did you see what he pulled off yeah. this this weekend? Yep. Uh, I can't believe they won this game in overtime against Georgia. I was really impressed. Um, he had two four-point plays. Two. Crazy. Who does? Who does that? You're crazy. And his uh, underhanded free throws helped Florida put the game away in overtime. It was really impressive. Um, it was so cool to see like that hand-me-down, like underhanded shot help him to score 27 points. Um, solid win for the Gators surviving off games from their usual steady Devin Robinson, uh, Kevon Allen, and Casey Hill. He only shot two for eight from the field. I still love um, him. He's my guilty pleasure. No. I still love Casey Hill. But yeah. It's... I mean, no, I mean, he, it's not like he played awful. He still had 11 points, but he, he wasn't his usual efficient self. So the fact that Florida was able to, to overcome three of their starting five having like subpar games and still pull out a win against a pretty live Georgia team. J.J. Frazier's still there. I mean, they're, they're still legit. Uh, Coach Fox does a good job. Um, you know, we gave the stats uh, the last podcast on Florida. We're not going to go through them again, uh, how we feel like they're really undervalued. Um, but winning a game, uh, winning a game when you have a minus performance from three of your key starters that just furthers the screen, the screeter gator stance here and, and really impressed by their win. I think Florida to me is, is the opposite of Minnesota. Both started really strong. Minnesota now going the wrong direction. Mm. Gators trending in the right direction. They beat Georgia at home 80-76 in this game overtime. Canyon Berry, 27 points off the bench, read an interesting story about he was considering Louisville last year. But the reason wow. he didn't go to Louisville is because 
Rick said he was worried about the possible sanctions that could come down. Big Ooh. loss for Rick Pitino here. After back-to-back losses at Duke and FSU, Gators have won seven straight to 14-3. and three. Beating those average teams, Gus, in your respective conference is easier said than done. They mm-hmm. face a stiff test, though, this week on the 18th. They travel yeah. to South Carolina to play the Gamecocks. This team, by the way, very under the radar, they are undefeated when Sindarius Thornwood is on the floor. They have not lost this year when he's on the floor. So that is going to show me something. It's not a game we expect them to win. If they somehow get this game, hats off to Mike White. They're trending in the right direction. But even if they just keep it close, I think it's fine. But SEC, some, uh, more teams are getting in than people thought beginning of the year. Yeah, uh, three teams ranked right now. Uh, I'm impressed. That's more than I thought they would have ranked right now. To, if if you're you know if we're playing the like, hey, what do you think the SEC is going to do this year? I would have said like Kentucky, and that's it. Sure. And they're, they're looking at three ranked teams right now. So uh, you know, arrows pointing up for them. Stock up if we're going to you know play Stock a little up. fortune teller. Two year streak. Two year streak and not getting the tournaments over this year. You can lock it up. Oh, for sure. I, I, I think they're even going to be an issue in the tournament. I think they're going to be troublesome. I, I, I don't think it's going to be like, are they going to get in the tournament or not? I think, can they get to the second weekend or not? I think it's a legitimate, legitimate question now for Florida. And Gus, which is my, a, and Gus my lockups are, are, are pretty spot on this year. My predictions may be erratic, but my, when I lock it up, Gus, it's a different thing. And who knows it better than the Dukies? <laughs> hey, look, you had this game, uh, you locked it up and you had it on lockdown. Um, so we mentioned like the value of certain players. And I think this game highlights the, the value of Emil Jefferson for the blue devils. It's, it's very similar to Joel Berry because minus UNC minus Joel Berry and, and Emil, uh, Duke minus Emil Jefferson. These teams are very good teams. They're, they're top 25 teams. They're, they're highly ranked teams, but are they true final four candidates? Um, I don't think so. Uh, minus uh, Jefferson and minus Joel Berry, like those teams are not Final Four teams. With those two players, those two teams are. Um, and this game just highlighted that further. Um, Louisville's length was an unbelievable issue for anybody that's playing them. But if you're missing your leading rebounder, Emil Jefferson is the Duke's leading rebounder, then it's, it even shouts out even more. It just seemed like an ugly recipe from the start, which I think you had your eyes on and, and correctly called. And speaking of ugly, is it going to be this ugly for Grace and Allen on the road every single time? Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. I have to tell you, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, the, the boos, the signs, the cat calls, they followed the Duke Blue Devil Guard all game. And you know what that got me thinking? Maybe playing and not being suspended is going to be like a tough love teaching situation for him, where so many people are going to tell him that he's wrong like to his face in person, even if it's from the 18th row, maybe that will do more for his psyche and for his get well than sitting aside and being suspended. We'll see. I don't know. It's just like something that came up while, uh, you know, while we were being bombarded with all the signs and the cat calls Um, and big game. Let's check in with uh, our man, Quentin Snyder. Every big game, he seems to put up a big line. This game was no different. He had 13, five and six and 35 minutes pressure-packed minutes at the point. We predicted, that, we predicted that this would be the case, and he didn't let us down. The Louisville point guard relishes every big moment he's presented. Keep doing your thing, Quentin Snyder. We hope you're healthy and find your way on the court next game. But Mike Randall, congratulations. You got this one spot 
on. Yeah, you just you can't take maybe the best coach, him and Wooden, out of out of for a long period of time, and things aren't going to be the same. Allen's mm. tripping everyone. Emil Jefferson is is vital. Anyone who knows basketball knows that you need people who do their role. That's why Dennis Rodman had such a tremendous career because he did a certain role. Jefferson does his role. It throws everything off. I am very impressed with Tatum. As far as the freshmen go there, Tatum oh. is extremely impressive to me. Talented. Giles and Bolden have to come around a little bit, but that's just too much to overcome on the floor at Louisville in a game that Louisville really ne- needed to, to keep moving in the right direction. Duke drops to 1-3 in three since Krzyzewski's absence. Uh, they lost this one. Louisville's uh, – oh, yeah, the, the Duke is now 14-4, and 2-3 and three overall in the ACC. Allen had a tough game, 23 points, uh, kept Duke close. Beside, and the reason, though, that injury to Jefferson is so big, Gus, is because they had three bench points. Three total points yeah. from the bench. You're not beating Louisville like that. They're going to be those guys are going to get worn down, which is exactly what happened. They got to reverse the trend. Duke upcoming home games against Miami, NC State should provide that opportunity. Not easy. Those are not nope. easy games, but those are games they have to win. If they lose one of those games, we're talking about two and four in the ACC. Just a, a crazy start to them, and they've had some injuries. I get it, no Shevsky, but still. Louisville is now three and two in conference, fifteen and three overall, and they already got wins. Gus over Kentucky and Purdue. Nice job by Rick Pitino. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do, does any other team in the country have as you know night three nice wins as Louisville does? Maybe Baylor does. Maybe Butler does. But I mean, the, the list is very short. Can't uh, can't wait to see a Louisville team that always gets better with this sort of size. I just can't yeah. wait to see how he's going to do. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, again, I'm just so glad that we're talking about like them on the court as opposed to off the court. Um, yeah, I, I love watching Quinn Snyder in big spots. So I hope he, you know, the injury is no big deal and he gets to get get back and gets that hip healed up, um, so he can continue doing his thing in the big games. Speaking of big games, we are going to go to one of our rally cries for the next game we talk about. Do do, do you want to say it with me? I'm ready. Shoot the ball, the ball London. London. <laughs> I mean, UVA, number 19, on the road, gets a big win over a really desperate Clemson team, 77-73. Shoot the ball, London. London Parentes had 25 points. He shot it so well from deep, four, four of eight from downtown. And I don't know about you, but that's the most points I can remember UVA giving up in a really long time. The fact that Clemson scored 73 on them is kind of impressive. Um, so I, I guess Clemson was doing something right during this game. Um, and UVA tried really, really hard to lose this game and give it back to Clemson. And at the same time, while they were doing that, your guy, Jared Blossom game, tried to win the game for them. Um, so much so he had a three point play with uh, just about two minutes to go to make it ultra tight. Um, so Blossom game was playing like his all ACC self. Um, but right after that, guess what happened? London Parentis hit his fourth three-pointer and that put the game out of reach for uva to get another tough acc road win shoot the ball london man i was so happy to see him go off yeah tigers came up short this game they desperately needed uh brad bromwell's gonna get fired there's no doubt about that tigers fell 77 73 clemson's lost gus four consecutive conference games all of which they led in the second half they're 11 and 6 overall they're 1 and 4 in conference blossom game was tremendous he's 18 over 18 points a game six rebounds but he has no support it only gets worse they're going to louisville this week tough (laughs) there's there'll be a job available as a head coach at clemson because you can't have this sort of season when Dabo's still polishing off his title down the hallway so like Blossom game, I think he's going to be a real good pro. I think he's going to get drafted. Love him. One of the best seniors in the country. 
sorry, you can't go to one and four. They needed the win at UN, against UNC at home. They needed the win at Notre Dame. Something like that didn't happen. Ball game. See you later. You know what? The, the point that you brought up where they were leading all of those games in the second half is so rings so true and, and speaks to the to the level of play in the ACC. It is crazy this year in the ACC. It is nuts. Um, you know, how about five different plays and Clemson is I don't know what three and two or four and one. Yep. Is that crazy to think? Like yeah, that's but, how crazy it is. But Gus, you're gonna make the tournament. You got you got to get one or two of those plays. You don't have to get them all. You have to get yep. one or two. Just disappointed. Uh, really want to see them in. Just because it's been a long time, I would say, said what once in six years for him getting in, yeah. not going to happen. Um, so and and UVA great win. And if Parentis can score like this, I know he's not that athletic. We're not measuring it. We'll measure by his heart, not his vertical. I have no problem with that. But right. he's got to get more than five or six points. And if he scores like this, it's going to open everything up. He's got the ball in his hands. Attack the basket. Distribute. Solid defense. Nice win. Nice road win for Virginia. Uh, love the road win for Virginia. And again, if if you if you are turning into the UVA game. Please just pay attention to London Parentes' pace of play. It is unlike anything you've ever seen. It's almost uncomfortable to watch, but then after you watch it for about three minutes or a TV timeout, you'll absolutely fall in love with it. He, he, he's, a, he's a master at what he does, and only a few people can do what he does. Like He's really fascinating to watch. I, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Speaking of favorite players to watch, um, did you see uh, – Baldwin go yeah. off. It's, for time, it's time to talk about him. I'm glad you bring yeah. him up. It's time to talk about him. Yep. Can, can, can we please? <clears throat> it's time. Uh, number 15, Xavier suffers another Big East loss, 83-78 at number 12, Butler. Again, impossible place to play at Hinkle. So it's definitely time to pay attention to the freshman Baldwin. All 21 of his points came in the second half. Against a usually pretty stout defensive team in Xavier, and he threw in nine boards too. Um, if he's going to play this way, along with Martin and Shabis, like they're going to be an issue. Like they're already an issue, but if he's going to play at this high of a level, look out, Big East, look out, Nation. Um, you know, Shabis had a steady 16 points to help Butler hold off the Musketeers. Um, on the other side, Sumner did play like an all Big East point guard. He had 22 points and only one turnover, which was pretty impressive. But you know what I've taken from this game and, and, and from a couple of other Xavier games we've put our eyes on? Too much P.J. Mercura. It's just a, he has a little too much ownership over this team. He had seven turnovers in this game. That's killer. You can't turn the ball over seven times against Butler by yourself. If you're playing Butler, you hope you have seven turnovers as a whole entire team, not as an individual player. He, he, he shoots it poorly in, in, in big games. Too much Mercura. Can we please have some more Blewett? Give me more Blewett. Butler's really good. They're tough at home. That's 10 straight wins at Hinkle. Anybody that's going to come in there is going to have an issue. Now we understand why Villanova lost. It makes sense now. Yeah, the Bulldogs continue to navigate a difficult schedule with this 83-78 win. Butler's 15-3 in the season, 4-2 in the Big East. Baldwin keeps, keeps getting better, and he led the Bulldogs with 21 points season high. Butler has now defeated Gus, number 8 Arizona, number 22 Cincinnati, number 9 Indiana, number 1 Villanova, and number 15 Xavier this season. I think that may be the most impressive slate. Yeah, Their only loss was to Creighton, uh, and they get a chance for revenge on January 31st at Hinkle Fieldhouse, which may not have Maurice Watson now. We can get that in a little bit. Um, under Chris Holt, Holtman, the, the Bulldogs are 36-6 and six at home. Sumner is battling a shoulder injury, and maybe mm-hmm. it's Miles Davis just coming back. He he only played a few minutes in this game. They're not clicking. 
Xavier is not there yet. They're not at the point they need to be, and I think they will get there. I think Chris Mack will get them there, but they're not there right now. Sumner's banged up. Davis isn't back yet. It's, and I agree with you. McCure has turned the ball over way too much. Davis comes. I think that, that puts McCure back to where he really should be. But listen, big win for Butler. Butler is tough. Big East is a grind. We know it. Man, I'm, I'm you. You stacked up their wins. I mean, when we stacked up Louisville's, um, you know, we and and we've we've referenced Baylor um, a number of different times. I mean, nobody has a better resume than those three teams in the nation as far as like quality wins. Like, very very impressive. And, sm- um, and sm- really quick, smart move by Holtman. He put Keelan Martin mm-hmm. into the bench because he had not performed well in Big East games, and that's how Baldwin got the start. I think. Um, and honestly, it's worked Brilliant. perfectly. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he he seems to be pushing the right buttons at all times. I mean, and with one of his stars, Martin. I mean, you would think definitely, uh, definitely. one of his stars would get a little bent out of shape over this, or so he's obviously pressing the right buttons, and everybody's kind of buying into what he's selling. Um, wow, Bulldogs, keep it rolling. Um, speaking of big wins, number twenty Notre Dame gets a big win at Virginia Tech, seventy six seventy one. Mike Randall nailed this game. Me. I was way off on this. I called for the Virginia Tech win. Mike Randall called for the uh, for the Notre Dame win. So, do you just want to talk about your guy Steve Astoria going off again for twenty points? I love Steve Astoria. I, I can't <laughs> say it enough. I, I, a guy uh, on Twitter is making fun of me because I've talked about Steve Astoria so much. And Mike Bray said the other day he may go down as one of the top five Notre Dame players of all time, which is absurd. What? <laughs> that's yes, he said this, this is so ridiculous. But Astoria is a winner. They, he just knows his role, and that's the thing. Uh, Notre Dame clawed their way, Gus, here. 76-71 win at Virginia Tech. I just Maybe a certain teams I'm locked in on. I don't know what is. I expected Notre Dame to struggle at Miami. And, when, mm. and they were not a dog, by the way, three points in that game. And when they didn't, I said, you know what? They're good. I'm officially saying they're good. And Virginia Tech's been very up and down. And it just Notre Dame is tough to stop. They're 16-2 on the season, 5-0 and in ACC conference play. They've reeled off seven in a row. And just like you talked about Baldwin, I'm going to talk about TJ Gibbs. TJ Gibbs yeah. is starting to make a big impact. He's got 13 points on, off the bench. He is not just Farrell's backup. He's playing the last few minutes of the game with them. They trust him, and he's going to be a special player. They're not big inside, balanced scoring. Bonzi Colson has 15.9 points per game. My boy Vestoria and VJ Beecham, who again, similar. Remember I just tell you that Oakley and Starks didn't always get along. They had bad body language. Yeah. Beecham is constantly angry on the court. It's, ball doesn't get reversed to him. He throws his hands down. But maybe Bray could just work with it. I don't know. Maybe they just know that's VJ being VJ. But if you watch it, folks, watch it and, and, and tweet us S, at SDS Podcast. Let me know if you think that VJ Beecham is also angry in the games. But it doesn't matter. Matt Farrell is one of the most improved players in the nation. Notre Dame has a huge test this Wednesday when they go to Florida State, a game I cannot wait to watch. Mm-hmm. Of course, fresh off the big win against Duke, Florida State. So, yeah, I, this was a great win for, for Notre Dame. Can we just get a big shout to Luke Harangody if we're going to talk about top five yeah, uh, Notre Dame players uh, Vistoria, of all time? Sorry, please. Oh, and one other thing I didn't mention. I was watching this with my wife, and I made her come in and watch this play. She thinks I'm nuts. Did you see the end of this game when Virginia Tech is up down four or three? Yeah. They roll the ball. To half court, right? Okay. Uh, right. And, and Farrell dives at the ball out of control. Like a crazy out, person. And he gets it. The, the <laughs> Whoever had it, I forget who it was for Virginia Tech, dives out right. of the way. He picks it up, drives to the basket, dumps it off to Beecham, I think, who scores. Ball game. That's guts. 
that's heart, that's desire, that's a chip on his shoulder because he was going to transfer and he said he wasn't getting enough playing time and now he is and he's ready to go. This is a dangerous team come March. Mark it down. If they keep playing Farrell and Gibbs together at the end of games, they're borderline unpressable because those are two like A plus ball handlers that they have in the game with, you know, the good ball handlers they have on the wing with Vistoria, Coulson can handle the ball, uh, Beecham can, can, can handle the ball. Yeah, that combination is kind of an untapped resource that, that Coach Bray, I think, is going to uh, dig into a little bit more as the season goes on. But really impressed. And our guy, Bonzi Colson, another double-double. Just another double-double for him. He bangs him out like nobody's business. Hey, here's, a, here, I'm sorry, here's an off-path off, uh, uh, prediction here. You ready? Yeah. When does Notre Dame play Duke? The oh, man. Come, right? VJ Beecham's getting a fire Grayson Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's my prediction right there. Okay, Grayson, if you try this stuff with EJ Beecham, he is going to be ready to go. That's my prediction. Go to Vegas and bet that one. VJ Beecham, we, Grayson Allen, mark it down. I hope they talk about that in the pregame. Uh, whenever that game takes place, that's a crazy prediction. I love that. Can we can we get that out there for the people to view? Oh my goodness! Uh, the opening of the show will be unbelievable. That happens. <laughs> bringing bells for thirty seconds. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Oh, that, wow. I, I, I want to look on the calendar when we're done with the podcast to see where that is. And okay, I'm gonna I'll look it up now. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to write it in Sharpie on my calendar so I get to watch it. I, I don't care if it's on the ACC network or what. I'm going to tune in regardless. Um, all right. <laughs> Let, we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving down and we'll go uh, number two Kansas rolls over uh, Oklahoma for a 87-80 win. Um, man, Kansas was in trouble early. They looked, it looked really shaky here. Oklahoma got up about 10, and Brad Underwood's team appeared to be ready to challenge the Jayhawks, and, and they even had a lead at the half at the Fog, but not so fast. Mike Randall's preseason first team All-American pick, Frank Mason III, saves the day again. 22 points, five boards, five assists. The dude is playing out of his head. And it was really impressive because he was kind of like one-on-one showdown here with uh, superstar Jawan Evans. Evans did not play up to snuff. He only shot t- uh, six for 22, and he had four turnovers. So Frank Mason definitely gets the best of that point guard matchup. So Jawan Evans, down game for him. He definitely came on the lower end of this point guard matchup. Josh Jackson had another great line, 20 points, 11 boards. And I think we're finding we're finally seeing a weakness in his game. He missed seven free throws. Uh, imagine if he made those, he'd be looking at like a 30-10 game. That's crazy. Landon Lucas had 12 boards down low and didn't even look to shoot it unless it was a putback. Uh, Shvi Mahailuk walked in to 14 points. And <laughs> Mason's backcourt mate, Devontae Graham, had a similar line, 21 points, uh, four and three, and he only turned over the ball once. Really impressive. Um, just another Big 12 win at home for the Jayhawks, taking down Oklahoma State. Um, are they going to win another one? <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. I still, I, I know I'm on the Titanic, but I do think, you know, Baylor had the nice bounce back win against Kansas State, which was nice to see. I think Baylor has the recipe to beat them. Oh, certainly West Virginia can. But the problem is they could all knock each other off, and then Kansas is going to win again. And, and I appreciate the Mason thing. He's really exceeded my expectations, no doubt about it. But honestly, 
he's shooting 53.3% from three-point range. He's 40 of 75. By the way, that includes tonight's win, 76-72 over Iowa State. They won by four. Mason had a nice tidy 16-6 rebounds to performance. They've done, they've done a great job. And, and I got to give self credit. You lose Azabuki. He hasn't missed a beat. They're going to put in the guards' hands. And if Landon Lucas gives them what he's giving them, yes, they are going to win their 13th Big 12 title. Yes, unbelievable. There it is. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for a Mike Randall prognostication yes. if they were going to win the title. Ah. Yes. Beautiful. Ooh. Hey, do you oh, – man, I, we're not going to get there yet, but um, number tw- number 10, West Virginia – almost falls prey to what we like to call the upset hangover game, and they pull out a tough road win at Texas, 74-72. And the word here is escape. The Mountaineers escape with a win in Texas. Texas played really well here. They were they were even playing without their leading scorer, Tevin Mack, who was suspended for the quote-unquote violation of team rules. So we'll find out what that is later, I'm sure. This game looked like a, a fishy line situation due to the travel and the big uh, hangover win, but but Texas proved to have our vision be 2020. Just look at the stats. Texas did everything right here. They shot it better from the field. They shot it better from the line. They shot it better from three. They only had 19 turnovers against the press. Ten so less lo- than Baylor. <laughs> that looks okay to me. Um, so... <laughs> Making the road win that much more impressive for the Mountaineers, overcoming the stat monster that Texas put up against them. Um, and Coach Huggins has been on the record saying that this particular trip that goes to Texas is one of the toughest trips for West Virginia um, in the road travel that they have to do for the Big 12. So that makes it even more impressive. They did not fall prey to the upset hangover game after the big win over number one ranked Baylor. I think my issue with West Virginia is there, I'm going to use my fantasy football comparison because I'm still going through withdrawal here. West Virginia is Ben Roethlisberger. All right. When they're home, they're unbelievable. But when they're on the road, Pittsburgh wins. All the Steeler fans are talking trash. Uh, ben guaranteed a win. He didn't throw a touchdown pass in Kansas City last night, people. Okay, let's, let's take it easy. But West Virginia on the road is a different team. And that's why I just can't commit to them. But listen, after the 21-point thrashing of Baylor, they, they, they avoided the natural letdown. Javon Carter, great player. And I love how he hugs Huggins when he comes out of the game. He has that passion again. Like he, <laughs> they, they, they do have a cool, uh, unique bond. relationship. I love yeah. it. It's the chemistry. He led West Virginia with 17. They forced the turnovers. Bob Huggins' defense now has 48 turnovers forced forced in the last two games. West Virginia, though, Gus, gets a little tricky. They play Oklahoma, okay, and then mm-hmm. they're at Kansas State before hosting the Jayhawks on January 24th in a Big 12 matchup. That's a big game. So back-to-back, at Kansas State, Octagon of Doom, we know, okay, and then hosting Kansas. The Kansas State game is a look-ahead game, and the Kansas game at home is going to be really tough. And Kansas is not going to turn the ball over as Baylor because Graham and Jackson and Mason are not going to have a problem with that. No. And if no. and Mihailik takes seven steps every time he has the ball, so it's really they're gonna he's gonna get through everything. But big big schedule, but nice win. That's what great teams do is they win these games, Gus, on the road that maybe they shouldn't have won. And speaking of teams that get the win on the road when maybe they shouldn't, Baylor did exactly that. They bounce back after the tough loss to West Virginia. Number one Baylor takes out number twenty-five Kansas State, seventy-seven, sixty-eight. I'll let you, you know, go on a diatribe about this. The one thing I was very impressed here is 
Motley fouls out with about four minutes to go. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yes, go ahead. So, so we fall prey to the to the the script that we we laid out for you in the Gonzaga game with Jacques Landell. Um, but Baylor pulls it out without their star player. The other part I really liked about this is that Drew left him in to play the game and finish the game and trusted his player. Um, I think that's going to build a bond that 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 uh, reaps uh, rewards further down the road between uh, player and coach. But I mean, very impressed with Baylor getting the getting the road win here. Uh, what did you see from your Baylor Bears? What I saw was foul trouble up the yin yang again. All right. Yeah. In the octagon of doom, Manuel Lacan, he had twenty six points. He was four six on three point range. He was a difference. He got two fouls, Gus, in the first three minutes. And this is my point. Like, I listen, if they're out slapping people around, okay, like I get it. But these are just ticky-tack fouls. And I understand they have to call them. I'm not against the refs. I think people complain about the refs way too much. It always evens out. This is a freedom of motion. This is a, this is a, a, a huge change that they're trying to do to the way the game is played. But there's going to be an adjustment period. And that was a killer. Plus, Motley had foul trouble the whole time. Baylor out-rebounded the Wildcats 37-24, and they used 10 steals to finish the late comeback. Uh, the Bears are now 16-1, and they're eyeing that February 1st battle against Kansas. So just to summarize, Gus, Kansas is going to – yeah, got it right here. Kansas is going on January 24th to West Virginia – and then they're playing at home against Baylor a week later, give or take. Oh, That's man. a tough run for them. Someone's picking them off there. wonder if it's going to be two. But this is Manu came back, played very well. He has to stay in the game. Motley as well got in foul trouble. What, you're, what they're doing is these fouls, like Landau, these guys, they're hedging. They're hedging off of the screens. They're sagging off the screener, and they're trying to pick the guy up mid-lane. That's what Motley was doing. That's what doing. And they're getting mm-hmm. these body checks. That's mm. what's happening. Or you can be like Maurice Watson and just slap the big when he gets the rebound and no one's at the basket. That's fine too. But that's what they're doing. That's what they have to work on. You got to get down. You got to spread. You know, like Majerus used to say, wide body balance, base of support. You got to get down. You got to spread, spread your legs and play good defense. But big point was that foul trouble up the yin yang. Baylor still finds a way to win on the road. Good gutty one for Scott Drew and his crew. Manu was the man in the second half. He he played like the best player on the court in the second half. Really impressed with him. And by the way, that fifth foul on Motley. Total garbage. Like I know, I know we just went. I, I know we just talked about like you know we we need to be in a better defensive stance. But like that's just that you just let them get their position, and then if he bumps him one more time when he's trying to get his position to get the ball, then you call your foul. But that just seemed like some simple bumping across the lane uh, to my eyes. Anyway, it didn't seem like anything out of the ordinary. You shouldn't um, be, you shouldn't be fouling out the star on, on a ticky tag. It's got to be obvious. And if the coach doesn't like it, then honestly, he's not playing to win. You got to play this game the right way. You don't want their star fouling out on something cheap. I wouldn't if I was a coach. I don't want Motley fouling out something cheap. You want to send him on the bench, it's got to be an obvious one. That's all. Yeah, I don't think that one was totally obvious. I think it was very uh, very wishy-washy, and it could have gone either way, or it could have been a no-call. Uh, that's the way I, th- I saw that fifth foul on Motley. Mike Randall, there's, there's, a, there's a comment. There's a comment flying through the sky. Yeah, it's maybe num- is there, yep. It is number four, UCLA. They almost flew off course, slivering by Almost, Utah. yep. 83-82 in Utah. Um, we kind of had our eyes on this game, uh, talking about was the line correct, was it not correct, what, what was going to happen. Um, Utah proved to be up for the challenge. Utah is an under-the-radar team. The difference for the Utah uh, different for the difference for Utah is the eligibility of two new players, David Coletta, 
Uh, Cedric Barfield, both players are now double-digit scorers, and they're now finding their roles in the rotation. They've been integrated. They totally have changed the profile for this team, whereas before they had to rely uh, uh, solely on one or two ball handlers or solely on one or two scorers. Um, now Utah has weapons all over the court. The story here might be we need to pay more attention to Utah and not be so worried about UCLA. We know UCLA is going to hit a couple bumps in the road here in this Pac-12, especially on that mountainous uh, road trip that uh, all the coaches uh, often complain about. But I got to tell you, I'm paying more attention to Utah, and I'm not really looking at, looking at this as like uh, UCLA didn't play up to snuff or, or they took a step off or they had an off game. I'm just going to applaud Utah and look forward to their next game. And uh, I'm looking forward to my next Comet sighting uh, this weekend for UCLA, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, folks, Gus did point out that he felt this was a fishy line. He was correct in that. It was UCLA by two and a half at Utah little low, Utah fine, under-the-radar team, but they haven't played well enough to only get two, to only be down by two and a half. I'm glad we didn't put out you know, the way it ended yeah. with the whole full-court pass and the guy takes a two and the Utah player starts jumping up and down, but they realize that they lost. Like right, not, not right. exactly the essence of the fishy, of the fishy line, no, but certainly no. it was. And the reason we look at this, folks, is not because we have a gambling problem, but because we just want to see what games Vegas thinks are going to be close. And they were right. This was a close game. Listen, Gus, if it wasn't for Dylan Brooks' last second three-pointer, the Bruins are going to be undefeated with Gonzaga. They, they survived a scare. Alonzo Ball, great all-around game, 17 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Valiant effort. The key here. Sophomore reserve guard Aaron Holiday, he's broken out of his scoring slump. He's got 14 points off the bench. That's back-to-back games of 14 points for him. 18-1 Bruins, Steve All for job security. They got tough upcoming conference games, though, at home. They have number 16 at home, Arizona, and then they go on the road to face USC in the rivalry game on number 25. But survive in advance, my friend. That's what they did. And I'm looking forward to both those games you just mentioned. Totally looking forward to the Arizona game. I feel like people are selling Arizona a little bit short. And um, USC has been playing great. Wait till they get Boatwright back. Once they get him back in their hole and their roster is complete, they're going to be an issue. They have athletes all over the court. Uh, Enfield's doing a great job. Um, you know, and- Gus, my, my daughter loves the Where's Waldo books. So what I actually did was I, I covered up Waldo's face and put Alonzo Trier. So we play Where in the World is Alonzo Trier because I just want him to come back because we I think do. Sean Miller's done such a great job with Arizona. That's a, that's a tremendous comparison. I don't know what's better, that comparison or the comparison of West Virginia being Beth, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm kind of in love with them both. Well, ben ben um, guaranteed nine wins in a row. You, you can tell he's on fire. They had six field goals. Okay, It's not like he's Joe Montana throwing four touchdowns. Sorry. But, you know, it's fine. Good point. Do you, do you want to? Do you mind if we go a little stock up, stock down? Oh yeah, I remember this last time. This is great. New, new. Uh, let's let's see that stock bell right now. New segment here, folks. Stock up, stock down with Gus Kearns. I did mine last time, Gus. I want to know who. What are the stocks we should buy because they're moving up, and what are the stocks we should sell because they're moving down? Well, I got a couple on each side. Um, I'm going to start with my stock ups. I'm going to say stock up SMU. I think SMU is an undervalued team. It's a team we need to keep an eye on even after the loss at Cincinnati. So I think we're getting a bit lower price here. So I think this is a value buy right now. So please get in on my value buy with SMU. Sterling Brown is hitting 47% from three thus far this year. Amazing. He was three for three early 
in that Cincinnati game. Semi Ojale, third in the conference in scoring, uh, Duke transfer, unbelievably multi-talented player. He does a little bit of everything for the Mustangs. Uh, another guy that we talked about, Shake Milton, is putting up numbers that are very similar to All-American candidate Monte Morris, and he's about three inches taller. SMU limited Cincinnati to only one offensive rebound in the first half in their loss at Cincinnati. And, I mean, when you think Cincinnati, what do you think? You think, like, sometimes their best offense is an offensive rebound. Help so and recover, limit- box right. out, down screen, back screen. So the fact that SMU is limiting Cincinnati to only one singular offensive rebound in the first half is unbelievably impressive. And they withstood... 10 made three-pointers from Cincy. And Cincy's a little crazy here. I understand your secret man crush uh, for Valentine's Day with McCrone and Mike Randall because they've made 10 threes or more a few times this year already, which is very un-Cincinnati-like. I got, I got to drop this in really quick. I'm sorry. So I, I just uh, was added on to the uh, the Cauldron, Sports Illustrated, the Cauldron, to write for them. Yes. And so I sent in my first article. It's going to be published. I'll let you guys know. It, it's basically about uh, Julius Caesar and how the Ides of March when he was assassinated. And I tried to identify some mid, mid-major or under-the-radar teams that could come up and really surprise. The first one I put was Cincinnati with Mick Cronin. <laughs> love it. The love affair lives on. Uh, Mike Randall, I can't wait to read that article. Can you please let the uh, the listeners know uh, where when they can consume that and where they can when it's ready? Yeah, there'll be a copy in Mick Cronin's box on February 14th. Be my <laughs> Fabulous. Perhaps, perhaps some sort of chocolate with it as well. Um, so if you're like down 10 at Cincinnati, if at the half, like that's usually over. SMU showed amazing grit, got all the way back, and they were within an in-and-out three-pointer and a putback from either winning the game or tying the game. They're unbelievably versatile on defense. They are a very long 2-3 zone um, with pockets of man-to-man every now and then. Ben Moore is a nice glue guy. He's fearless, a swingman, super long wingspan. They have multiple ball handlers on the floor at all times, um, which I think we say thank you to Coach Brown. Um, they're unbelievably tough to press and get out of sorts because of all those ball handlers. Um, the one thing I'd like to see them do is not settle for the three. Use all of those skill sets that are out on the floor to their highest advantage, ball skills, passing, driving, or just playing the game the right way. It kind of feels like the reins are off now that Coach Brown is gone and no longer patrolling the sidelines, which in some strange way might be a good thing for this group. And my final thought on this particular stock up is, do you think they have a little bit of what Louisville has going on now? No postseason last year due to sanctions um, from the NCAA. Um, And then let's just pile on the the Bryce Alford goaltended three, not called two years ago. So ridiculous. Right? (laughs) That one, I had them going. Oh. Maybe karma is now on the Mustang side. I'm going to say stock up. Karma's going to get you. It's going to hit you right in the face. Mustang style. My other stock up is also maybe included in your article. I have no idea. Um, I'm excited to read it. Is a familiar face that's been under the radar this whole entire season because they've lost their two most recognizable faces. Wichita State. Stock up shockers. I know they're coming off a loss to Illinois State. I get it. I know. So again, this is a buy low situation. I'm trying to advance our listeners to get the best value on these stocks. We wondered what in the world the shockers would be like at, you know, PVVB post Van Vliet and Baker. They're not that bad. You got Saf, 
Marquez McDuffie, leading them in scoring in just 24 minutes a game. Um, Coach runs them in and out and does not have anybody play over 30 minutes a game. Freshman Landry Shamit is the guy. He's the guy that makes it work. Six-foot point guard. He's averaging five-ish assists or so the last five games. His improvement has been key for the Shockers. Um, he's still learning on the job. He's still a freshman. He's leading the team in minutes played, which is still only about 25 minutes a game. They have four players averaging two assists a game or more, which means they're willing to share and they run their offense the right way. They are currently a top 30 Ken Palm team to boot, which means if we're going to you know, pick teams uh, at large teams, they'll probably be one of those at large teams. Early losses to uh, Louisville and Michigan State will have more shine as the season drags on. Beware of these shockers. Stock up. I'm very much looking forward to the February 4th rematch of Illinois State. So buy on the shockers. Two good ones there. I, I like the SMU one. I, I like how you pronounced Ojale's name. That's also very impressive. Two really good ones. There's, there's school, which State has the history. We talked about last year, Arizona, second round, forget it, or first round, whatever it was. Uh, I like them. Two really good rundowns. Good stock ups. What do you got for your stock downs? Stock downs, you know, we never like bringing anybody down, but since we're you know playing the game and going stock down, I'm just going to say stock down New Mexico. First, they suffer the impossible loss to Nevada in their home court at the pit. Then they have the problem with their assistant coach having an issue with a Colorado State player on the court and then outside the arena postgame. Play is down overall for the Lobos. Do you remember it wasn't that long ago? They were a number three seed that you know, got upset in March, but still they were a three seed. And it doesn't seem that long ago for Coach Neal in, in New Mexico. Throw in on top of that, that Coach Neal's son needed to transfer back to Old Miss or out of New Mexico to Old Miss um, due to pressure from social media and the fan base. It's just, it's got that ugly feel to it, doesn't it? Let's all hope they find the quickest U-turn jug handle and they can get it turned right back around and maybe uh, be on the stock uh, up menu uh, in a couple of weeks. But right now, stock down New Mexico, stock down Lobos. And then my other stock down, similar to New Mexico, is going to be Ohio State. I know you're thinking, yeah, didn't they just win this weekend on CBS? Uh, yeah, we all saw that. I'm with you. But wasn't it just a few years back, similar to New Mexico, where the Buckeyes were playing for a national championship with the likes of Odin and Conley and Ron Lewis? Coach Mata does not appear to have the same type of level player that he used to have. Even go back a couple of years ago when he had Russell, who lit the world on fire and everybody was talking about him being the best player in the nation as a freshman. Um, they don't even have like a craft type player where like the whole program can rally around him and, and he can be like their rallying cry and, and the player that they're all going to go see. They don't even have that. Although we do love the undersized Tate who plays a very awesome, incredible, powerful 6'4 po- power forward. Um, you know what's going to happen? They're going to miss the tournament this year. They'll defend their home court in the Big Ten, we know, but that's about it. Maybe CIT champs? I'm going to say stock down Buckeyes. Yeah, good one. And, and and that was a bad loss for Michigan State at Ohio State the other day, last night. Um, they should have won that game. Very frustrating. I agree with everything you're saying about Ohio State, New Mexico. A little chaos going on there right now. Not into it. Two really good stock downs, Gus. Well done. And we'll, we'll do the stock up, stock down thing every once in a while just to check in to see how everybody's doing and to let you know where we're, where we're trending in the right direction. Uh, all right, so we're, uh, we we got we to move quick here, Gus, but I, I think it's time to give the people what they want. I think we got to do another, uh, another Stump Gus segment. What do you think? Oh, boy. 
I might start getting nervous immediately. Uh, just to recap, folks, so this is where I try to stump Gus, and I, I do this genuinely. I pick uh, – teams and players in the theme of the $100,000 pyramid. Gus has 60 seconds to guess them. I'm very fair with this. You know, I'm not going to slow down and, and with Calipari just say, coach wins a lot. You know, I'm trying and every clue gives a little more insight. And the key with Gus is he can jump it at any time. So as soon as I say the first clue, if I were to say to Gus, hypothetically, he scored 47 points against UNC this year, Gus can cut me right off and say, Malik Monk. Right. So he doesn't have to wait for it. I have stumped him twice. It's gotten closer each time. Uh, so, Gus, I have six here, and they oh, do man. go up in difficulty order. Okay. So okay. There, are, there is going to be some difficulty here, but I think the people want to hear it. We're going to give it one more shot. So what do you say? We'll do this quick, and then we'll do our on-Broadway segment. Okay? That sounds it sounds great. I'm still a little nervous. All right. Uh, again, cut me off when you feel. I, I, I think these are fair, but I am going to try to stump Gus. Dick Clark, are we ready? Gus, are we ready? We are ready. And go. Preseason Final Four favorite. Their main player was injured. West Coast Love lost to Baylor and Georgetown. Wear green. Quack. Oregon. I've been the head coach in Boston University, Kentucky, and now Louisville, and I've won two national championships. I coach the Knicks and Boston Celtics in the NBA. Coach Patino. Good. Most NCAA appearances without a Final Four. West Coast Conference. Eric Micah. Mormon religion. BYU. Good. Nation's leader in rebounds per game. Caleb Swanigan. Whoa, quick one. Breakfast. Sophomore. ACC. 29 points against UVA. Save my bacon. Last Way one. Bacon. Florida State. 10 seconds. Point guard. Most improved. Dives for the win against Virginia Tech. Leopard. Leopard. He got it. He got it. He got it. He got it. We're hugging. We're in the circle. Dick Clark is out. Everyone's excited. Gus, you got it with five seconds. A very good. Oh. I think that was a fair one. That's oh, right. It fair. was Oregon Ducks. Oh. Rick Patino. I didn't even have to get to the follow-up clues. He's been to seven Final Fours. He looked like Scarface on the sideline <laughs> during a game. Uh, I wish we got to that clue. That's a great clue. Good one with BYU. I thought that was tough. They have the most NCAA appearances without a Final Four at 29. Caleb Swanigan, I, I should have known. I, that was a good one. I, was, I had other clues. I said Nation's leader in rebounds. You were all over him. Why did I have to go to the second clue? Uh, averages 18 points, 15 rebounds per game. Biggie, biggie, biggie. <laughs> Boilermaker. Uh, good job with Dwayne Bacon. Very good. Breakfast, uh, bacon and eggs. I tried to throw I, you off. Uh, yeah, I, I was heading that way. And then when you went the other clues, I got off of bacon, but then I got back on bacon. Got it. So. Got it. Uh, and very good. We had Leprechaun, and my last one was 40% from three-point range, 86 from the free-throw line, and 14.1 points, 5.4 assists. Matt Farrell. Yes, folks, Stump Gus, Oregon, Rick Pitino, BYU, Biggie Swanigan, Dwayne Bacon, and Matt Farrell. Well done, Gus. Excellent. Tough Thank you. round. Very t- honest round. Very tough round. You beat me in the St. Mary's game. You beat me in Stump Gus. <laughs> finally. Uh, this, this finally. Not, not good. Now things are trending wrong direction here. Uh, folks, so really quick before we get to a, a fast on Broadway uh, session, we're going to be joined by our third musketeer on Thursday, uh, our good friend, Dr. Tony. He's a huge college basketball fan as well as us, uh, has, has been one of our best friends for years. 
loves the tournament, always comes out to watch the games, really into it. Uh, his schedule is so busy, as you can imagine, being a doctor, but he is an expert in the Ivy League. So he's going to come on. He's going to do an Ivy League preview with us. He's going to join us from time to time when he can. Dr. Tony will be joining Gus Kearns and Mike Randall on Thursday in studio. So we're very excited about that. Could possibly be the best third wheel you've ever heard audience get Seriously. ready for dr tony no doubt uh, no, no doubt about that so dr tony's coming on thursday we're excited to have him and gus our last segment here let's take a little walk my friend it's getting cooler again but we'll just button up get a scarf and go on broadway on broadway All right, so we'll just go quickly through the games. Gus, give, uh, why don't you give a quick uh, couple-sentence rundown, and I'll jump in with some irrational statements. Sounds good. <laughs> don't be irrational. Be very <laughs> rational. Come on. Stop it now. All right, we'll go, we'll go as quick as we can here for you guys, give you some, uh, some rapid response here. Um, how about Michigan is going to go visit number 17, Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan needs another big win here after a few big wins early, but nothing as of late. So does it happen here? I'm very much looking forward to the Wagner versus Hat matchup. Two underrated, awesome, skilled big men. I'm looking forward to those guys going head-to-head and then displaying their skills against one another for the whole nation to see. Careful here, Badgers. Be careful here. Michigan, yep. senior guards, shoots the three, play tough at UCLA. Be careful, Wisconsin. Be very careful with this one. I think this is a close game. Uh, you know Michigan's going to shoot it straight. It's just a matter of will they defend enough against an efficient Wisconsin offense. Um, Pitt's got to go down to the triangle. They're going to face NC State. I feel like this is like a lose and you're out of March game already. Don't Doesn't it have that feel to you already? Um, and will the real NC State please stand up? They just lost to BC. I can't make up my mind up on them. They have three great wings. They got the they they have the incredible freshman uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. They 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 are now integrating their big seven footer. Um, can they get it straightened out? I, I I don't I don't I can't make up my mind on NC State. So basically, this is like the old wrestling loser leaves town match. Is basically <laughs> what we're talking about, guys. Here, right? Tremendous it's, reference. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Smith versus Artist. Uh, get your. I, I totally agree with you uh, that so- someone is in trouble in this game. I think NC State wins it. But Pitt, you know, artist at forty three, good matchup. But lo- loser leaves town match here. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's fabulous. Uh, excellent reference. Uh, number nineteen, Florida is going to visit number twenty four, South Carolina. You referenced this game earlier. I think you're leaning one way. Which way are you leaning? Tell the people, please. Uh, I think Sindarius. They're undefeated with Sindarius Thornwood. I I think they take it. I want. Florida to play well. I almost want them to win because I love. I, I don't like the Thorn- Thornwell wasn't there. Now he's there. I don't buy it. But I think this is a tough game for Florida to win. If they get it, watch out. If they don't, no big deal. But uh, Gamecocks undefeated with Thornwell. I think they take this one. I think they're going to make it really hard uh, for an efficient offensive team, uh, Florida, to score. Um, I think to win this game, I think Florida is going to have to go off from three. If they can go off from three and, and Hill and Allen and, and Robinson can hit a few and Barry can hit a few, then I think they'll have a chance to win. If they go cold and shoot under 35%, I think it's a South Carolina win. Uh, Temple is going to travel to number 20. Cincy, we mentioned Cincy a little bit earlier in the pod. Um, Temple was interesting early season and have taken on a couple of bad losses as of late. Remember, they got that nice win over West Virginia. Um can we make sense of Temple, or is Cincinnati just going to wipe the floor with them and Cincinnati's that good? Yeah, we can make sense. They're not good. They're 1-5 in conference, okay? <laughs> Cincinnati's winning this game at home. Mick Cronin, down screen, back screen. Thank you. Double-digit win, Bearcats. Next. 
Yeah, love that one. Uh, this this might be the game of like the midweek here. We got number fifteen Notre Dame goes down to absolutely uh, number ten Florida State. I, I I'm looking forward to watching this game. I think it's going to be totally live. I think they're going to both shoot it really well. Um, there's going to be athletes all over the court. There you know there might be point guards diving all over the court as you referenced earlier. Um, I I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. Are you? Do you have a lean one way or the other here? I do not. This is a just watch game and enjoy. I, I don't know. Can Notre Dame really pull off another road win of this magnitude, especially with Florida State uh, coming off the loss at North Carolina? I, I, if you, 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 you make me pick, I'll pick Florida State. I don't know. I really have no idea what's going to happen here, and I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I think this game might be the game I feel most sure about. I'm feeling very sure about Florida State winning this game at home against Notre Dame. Uh, number 25, Maryland, and the magician, who is Mellow Tremble, uh, gets to go to Iowa. Um, I mean, the count of games that Mellow has won by himself, I think, is at six now. He, he's, pl- he's having this unbelievably like dream season where you're so happy he came back. Um, is he going to do it one more time against Iowa? Yeah, I think he is. I don't buy Fran McCaffrey. I don't buy Iowa. I don't like it. Maybe I still have a bad taste in my mouth because of the whole thing with the not shaking hands. Melo's been great. The team's coming along. I think Maryland's going to take it. It's a great game. If Maryland's home, I think he'd definitely take it. It's another good one. I'm rooting for Maryland. I want Melo stayed, and he's got a young team with him, and he's not complaining. He's doing a great job. I agree with the I'm totally rooting for Maryland here. Go Terps. Uh, shout to our big friend, uh, Big Sean. Uh, go Terps. Uh, you know what? Number 14, Arizona, is in a dangerous spot. They have to go to USC. How do you feel about Arizona going on the road in the Pac-12? I like Arizona. I think they've done a great job. USC losing that game at home to Cal really bothered me. McLaughlin will be ready. No Benny Boatwright yet. I mm. like Arizona coming in. I think they're hot. They're putting teams away early on the road. They're not messing around. Love Arizona here. Yeah, you know what I think is the underrated part about Arizona? I mean, uh, we, we, we talked about Miller doing a great job uh, coaching-wise about um, putting people in the right roles and then selling them on those roles. Um, they are playing really well defensively. I, I, I want to see them like get those lockdown clamps on, on the Trojans and, and then see uh, um, if, if they can grind out this win on the road, which I think they're going to have to do uh, with tough road games like this in the Pac-12. Speaking of tough road games in the Pac-12, Cal, fresh off that win, is going to go to number 11, Oregon. They have any shot up there? No, zero. They're going to get blown out. Next. Comet sighting. Number three, UCLA <laughs> welcomes Arizona State. Speaking of blowout and no chance, are we are we sticking to the script here? The only sort of uncertain part here is whether they're going to have six guys in doubles or five. If, the, if gonna, you consider that drama, then we'll set the over-under at players in doubles at five and a half, Gus. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take the over. <laughs> Done. Okay, let's move on. Let's Definitive go our- predictions here on the Screen Screener podcast. <laughs> I feel like we're in a good groove right here. We this are, is last. really are, yeah. All right, so the WCC twofer, of course. We love packaging these two teams together. Um, uh, number 23, St. Mary's, opens the door for Pacific to come in, while number four, Gonzaga, goes to Santa Clara. Are they going to suffer the big game hangover? No, Gonzaga's going to roll Santa Clara, and I expect St. Mary's to put a whooping on Pacific, mm. uh, provided that Landell is getting foul trouble. I think they get right at home. I think St. Mary's and Gonzaga both went out to the next game uh, in, in St. Mary's. It's going to be a great one. Yeah, I think these are just totally get-right games, and Gonzaga keeps rolling. They're still under They're number four. They should be higher. I agree. I, you know what I think? 
I think they're comfortable being number four, and I think they're comfortable still being the un, uh, last undefeated team in the country. I don't think they're going to have any issue on the road. Yeah, and they're comfortable being in uh, alpha undefeated pie on the top and bottom floor for the three yeah. weeks. Excuse me. I'm going to go grab my ping pong paddle. I'm going to challenge Josh Perkins to a, a one-on-one game of ping pong, and then I might go you know, jump in the pool uh, with my man uh, – uh, 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 who am I going to uh, – maybe uh, Nigel Williams-Goss. That would be sweet. By the way, we should probably give a shout-out. Shemek Karnowski continues to like our tweets. Shemek, we appreciate it. There's a lot uh, of work that goes into these pre-production <laughs> things. So thank you, Shemek, for uh, supporting us here at the Screen the Screener podcast. Uh, love Big Shem. Hey, uh, speaking of, of, of productions, I mean, we, we have to tell the technology department a big thank you for, for getting together our, our frat party and setting the soundtrack. So thank you, technology department. You are the best. Technology. Burger with cheese. <laughs> Chef Char- uh, Karnowski, please keep cooking up those burgers. Um, and uh, thanks to Bell Jar. Thanks for the intro and outro music. Glad to get you guys back in on the regular schedule. And thank you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for uh, being entertained and giving a, a part of your week to, to Mike and I and, and letting us jump into your brain and, and, and shake it up a little bit with uh, some NCA hoops knowledge and listening to our silliness. Um, and we hope that you are enjoying the games as much as we are. And we hope that our insight provides a uh, a little further understanding or a little bit more enjoyment on your end as the viewer and as the listener. So thank you listeners out there. We are humbled. I hear bell jar, Gus. Uh, bell jar is back. That John Denver stuff is gone. My avatar has returned. <laughs> ah, yes. My only question is, does Matt Farrell screen? Or does Matt Farrell screen the screener, dive on the floor for loose balls and hustle the heck out of things? Love Matt Farrell. We'll see you next time, folks. Screen the screener. Dr. Tony in studio on Thursday. Enjoy the games.